Would you turn with me, please, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13 this morning. Last week, we finished up uh, in this section of the scriptures as Paul was talking about his plans that he had. And we talked about that, about submitting our whole life, not just our plans, but everything to the Lord. And so today, I want you to notice verse 13. I want to talk this morning on a charge to spiritual war fighters. A charge to spiritual war fighters. Watch ye, God says. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. Be strong. I heard a preacher one time preach on that phrase, quit you like men. And he built a whole sermon around this thought that if you're going to quit, quit like a man. Now, let me say this to you. First of all, that was, that is not what that phrase means, by the way. Okay. That was a preacher who was, had a PhD apparently in preaching verses out of context. All right. And that ain't Bible. All right, so he's not saying, if you quit, bless God, quit like a man. That is not what that verse is saying. All right, you say, well, what is it saying? What does it mean? We're going to get there. But these four statements, Paul issues a call for strength and stability. Upon further investigation, you realize that all of these commands are military terms with the tone of a spiritual warrior. These instructions that Paul gives to this spiritual warrior, they they seem to cut against the grain of the spiritual stupor, and the fickleness, the weakness, the fatigue, and the immaturity that seems to characterize many Christians in our first world American culture in the 21st century. One writer said that these four exhortations in a row all reflect the kind of things a general might say to his troops before they enter into battle. In 1724, a London pastor by the name of Isaac Watts, maybe you've heard of him, he preached from this very text and he entitled his sermon, Holy Fortitude. In that sermon, he posed these questions to his congregation. Questions which later became lyrics to a beloved hymn. And he said, he asked them, am I a soldier of the cross? Am I a follower of the lamb? Shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize? And they sailed through bloody seas. Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend to grace to help me on to God? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. So increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil. I'll endure the pain. Supported by thy word. 
I remember hearing back after 9-11, in the months and years after, as George W. Bush was the president, I remember him talking about referring to consulting with his father, George H.W. Bush, about what he needed to keep in mind. And he said, it dawned on me one day, here we are, I am a wartime president. And my father was a wartime president. And he, and he kept using that term. And so he said, I called my dad and I said, Dad, give me some advice, some counsel from one wartime president to the other. Let me say this to us, beloved, this morning, that as the believer in Christ Jesus, we are all wartime Christians. There is no such thing as a peacetime Christian in this world. In 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. As a good, the word literally is warrior of Jesus Christ. No man who wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Why? Why shouldn't we be entangled in the affairs of this life? And Paul said, so that you and I may please him who has chosen us to be a, there's the word again, a soldier, a warrior. It was this text in 2 Timothy 2 that prompted the hymn writer to write, Onward Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ, the royal master, leads against the foe, forward into battle, see his banner go. And then the resounding chorus, onward Christian soldiers, marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. It is no secret, and it is true, that many, many denominations now in these last decades and last years have taken that song, Onward Christian Soldiers, they've either removed it altogether from their hymnody, or they have changed the title to say, Onward Christian Pilgrim. Now, granted, ladies and gentlemen, you and I are pilgrims traveling through this world but we're not just pilgrims traveling from earth to heaven we are christian soldiers fighting in a real battle between the forces of good and the forces of evil the forces of truth and the forces of error the force and power of jesus and the power of satan And you and I are, whether you choose to be or not, you are in that battle. And we're not just pilgrims traveling, dear one, but in the word of God, we've been called to be soldiers fighting in this battle. There is no room for retreat. One writer said that these four exhortations in 1 Corinthians 16, these four in a row, all reflect the kind of things a general might say to his troops. Dr. Adrian Rogers said, the old ship of Zion is not a cruise ship, it's a battleship. C.S. Lewis said, all Christians are living in enemy-occupied territory. John 16, 33, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. 
2 Timothy 3.12, yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Matthew 5, 11 and 12, Jesus talked about, blessed are you when men shall revile you. They shall defame you and persecute you. That literally means they'll chase you down like a wild animal. And shall say all manner of evil against you falsely, slanderously for my sake. First Peter 4, 12, he begins to talk about, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened unto you. But rejoice in so much as you're a partaker in Christ's suffering. You are a partner in Christ's suffering. Verse 14, he says, if you be reproached, if you're defamed, if you're slandered for the name of Christ, happy are you for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. John 15, Jesus said, you know if the world hates you that it hated me first. 2 Timothy 1.8, be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. But be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm afraid that too many of us as Christians, we walk around in this world almost shocked by suffering, shocked by hostility, afraid to be heard, afraid to take our stand afraid to be sold out to Jesus, afraid to plant our flag and plant our feet and declare our colors as to who we belong to. Jesus said, don't be surprised when you feel that you're, you're, you're under attack as a Christian. That's the way it's supposed to be. Don't be surprised by suffering. Don't be derailed by it, discouraged by it, distracted by it, deflated by it, defeated by it. You see, this suffering takes multiple forms. It takes the form of satanic attack. Maybe verbal ridicule, maybe sinful temptation, internal pressure, physical assault or struggles, persecution even. Spurgeon talks about being honored with the decoration of the Iron Cross. A.T. Robertson said, persecution is the price of loyal service to Christ. Now think about this. Because I dare say, my friends, that most of us really don't understand true persecution because we've never really experienced it to much degree at all. Why will the godly in Christ suffer persecution? Well, you think about that and then you realize that the message that we preach and the message that we believe is offensive to the world. I mean, it's completely out of step with our culture. But then the, number two, a truly Christian lifestyle is offensive and strange to the world. They can't figure out why you live like you do. They can't figure out why you hold to the priorities that you hold to. It doesn't make sense to them. The more, of you, the, the, the more your life identifies with Jesus, the harder it will get for you in this world. If you come to Christ, you will lose your life as you know it. 
All of the apostles were persecuted. All of the apostles died as martyrs except for John the apostle. And Domitian, the Roman emperor, even tried to have him killed. And God miraculously delivered him. Our brothers and sisters in Christ living in foreign lands are under regular persecution. This, just this past Wednesday night, our ministry that we supported this week, uh, that we gave an offering to, uh, was a ministry that goes to closed access countries. That means the door is not wide open to the gospel. You and I don't understand much of that living in America. We don't see that. And, you know, we think persecution is when the chick down at Bojangles got my order wrong. That's not persecution. <laughs> That's life. That's normal now, right? Not slandering Bojangles or anything like that. That's just, that's just life. That's normal. That's not what he's talking about here. But don't raise your hand. You don't have to answer out loud about this question. I want you to ask yourself, but have you ever experienced any kind of sense of rejection or ridicule because you identified with the Lord Jesus in some way, shape, or form? Have you ever felt the sting of the weird looks because you had the gumption and the courage and the guts to stand up and say something for the Lord? Hey, that happens even here in a Christian school sometimes. Just because you may have your student at Faith Christian Academy doesn't exempt them from having to take a stand for what's right and take a stand for godliness and take a stand for the Lord. And they, even here, will feel the sting and the stares of somebody who wants to be sold out to the Lord, unfortunately. So regardless of where we are, God says, I want, you to, I want you to understand what you're going to encounter. It's time to put your big boy breeches on. And be willing to stand up and count the cost. Stop being embarrassed. Stop being ashamed of Jesus. Stop being intimidated by this culture and by this world. I've called you, he says. I've called you and I've created you and I've saved you to be different than that. So what's he talking about here? Man, when you realize that eight Christians, they say, at least eight every day are killed just because they're Christians. When you realize that every single month over 300 Christians are imprisoned unjustly, when you realize that, that, that just recently in one year alone that, 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 that there were 90,000 Christians killed worldwide in that year just because they identified with the Lord? Every week 182 churches or Christian buildings are attacked. And so therefore it should come as no surprise that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul with this powerful charge to these Christian warriors in the church at Corinth. 
It's interesting, all of these four commands are what we call present active imperatives, which means these are commands, they're not suggestions. It also means that they are to be continuous in implementation, that there is never a time for me to slack off. There's never a time for me to fall asleep at the wheel or or drop down my guard or to quit my job spiritually when it comes to being a warrior for Jesus. So we're called and commanded to follow these four divine marching orders from the one who's placed us in the fight. And so he gives us four commands. He says, first of all, wake up. Wake up. I didn't say that to those of you who are about to doze off, okay? That's not... (laughs) I'm used to seeing the bald spot on top of your head, okay? I promise. (laughs) I'm not offended anymore. (laughs) No, seriously. (laughs) I mean, don't go to sleep on me right here, but (laughs) I'm not talking to you. (laughs) I'm talking to all of us. (laughs) Wake up spiritually. Wake up. Remember what Paul said in Romans? He said, hey, it is high time, high time to wake up out of our sleep. Now, hear me. Are you aware, ladies and gentlemen, of what's going on? Are you aware that all you have to do is, and I don't even advocate a immersing yourself in uh, news all day long because that will get you so discouraged you will not know whether you're coming or going okay but you don't have to be a rocket scientist or a brain surgeon to understand that you say well christian it sure seems like the devil's taken over first of all let me say this to you the devil will never take over but jesus is working his master plan and he's getting the stage set for his soon return. And if you think things used to creep and crawl toward the return of the Lord, brother, those same things are on a bullet train right now, right? And we are headed at breakneck speed I'm to the return of Jesus. With everything going on worldwide, everything, you say, well, stuff's always been going on in the Middle East. Yes, it has, but not with the rapidity and not with the intensity that it is right now. And not just things in the Middle East, things in America, things in our culture, our Western culture. Everything is coming down to Jesus' plan, Jesus' hand. And no wonder Paul said, it is Dude, if it was high time to wake up 2,000 years ago, I mean, we ought to be sitting wide awake with our bags packed. You got your your minivan packed? (laughs) You got your luggage ready? Because he's fixing to blow the trumpet. But what are we doing? We're asleep. The church is asleep. Christians are asleep. Dads are asleep. Husbands are asleep. Wives are asleep. Teenagers are asleep. God says, wake up. 
Watch. You watch. This is the words for a guard, a sentry, who in some cultures and in some countries, had they been caught asleep at their post, they'd be executed. It's the same terminology. Wake up spiritually. Now's not the time to have or to be dulled or lulled asleep spiritually. And God says it's time to wake up. And many of us are being lulled asleep and put to sleep. We're being put to sleep by casual Christianity. We're being put to sleep by soft Christianity, soft spirituality. God says it's time to wake up. Be spiritually alert. It literally means to stay awake, to be continually on guard. One writer said, lest you be surprised by your enemies, keep your scouts out and about. Keep your uh, sentinels at their post. Let your enemies steal a march upon you. See that the place you are in be properly defended and that each be alert to perform his duties. End of quote. Do we operate like that? Do we live like that, spiritual warfighter? Or are we still asleep in the bunk? The fighting's going on. The missiles are falling. The attack is on. Our perimeter is being overrun, but we're asleep. God says, wake up. Thomas Hawes said to watch against every enemy of your soul. Stay awake. Be on guard. Watch lest you be slumbering. Matthew Poole said spiritually watching signifies a diligent abstaining from sin and from whatever may be that is tempting us to sin against God. Number one, wake up. Say that with me. Wake up. Say it again. Number two, stand your guard. Stand your ground. Stand your ground. Stand fast in the faith. He means constant stability. Be stationary. Literally, hold your ground in battle. I am told, I've read that the Roman legionnaires, that they would attach spikes to their sandals. It was not uncommon for those Roman soldiers when they were in the throes of battle, they would encounter hand-to-hand combat. And it was imperative that they stand their ground. Stand fast. In other words, don't be pushed back. Here's the line. You stand on truth. You stand in the faith. Don't be pushed back from it. Oh, but we know what it is to feel pushed back, don't we? We know what it is to come up against spiritual resistance and to just kind of slide back a little bit. And before you know it, you've been pushed back further than what you even, even imagined had taken place. 
And then you think to yourself, well, man, I didn't mean to give up that much ground. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mean to give up that much territory. He says, stand your ground. Stay in your position. Keep the ranks unbroken. Stand lest you be tottering. Are you standing? Are you, hey, hey, spiritual warfighter, are you standing? You say, well, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Well, what are you afraid of? That somebody's going to think ill of you? That somebody's going to misinterpret your motives? That somebody's going to make fun of you? That somebody might disassociate with you? You're afraid you might be sitting alone uh, at lunch? You're afraid that somebody might whisper about you behind your back in the office? You're afraid you're going to be out of step with your neighbors? In light of eternity, dear one, in light of the power of Jesus, in light of the worthiness of Jesus, who cares? All that mess is fading anyway. You and I have to decide, my dear friend, whose opinion are we going to allow shape our decisions in our direction? Jesus says, you wake up. It's time to wake up. And then he says, it's time to stand your ground. Don't compromise. Don't budge. Don't move. Then he gives a third. And are you still with me? Say amen this morning. He says, number three, he says, wake up, stand your ground. Number three, be tough. Say that with me. What's he mean? Quit ye like men. It's one word in the Greek. First of all, he ain't saying for you to quit. He's not. That ain't what he's talking about. You'd say, is he saying be a man? Well, yeah, I mean, you can interpret it that way. But if that was the only implication, then you can just outrule the, and eliminate the ladies from following this. But that isn't what he means. He wasn't excluding the ladies. You see, that phrase, that command has more to do with maturity than it does with masculinity. What he really is saying is, hey, stop acting like a spiritual child. Grow up. Act like a spiritual adult. Act like somebody who can take a shot. Act like somebody that's gone through some hard things. Stop being so weak. That's what he's saying. Stop being so flimsy in your resolve. Get some toughness. Put your tough skins on. You might remember them britches from the 1970s. The tough skins mean about four other people, apparently. <laughs> Bro, I didn't have no Levi's. I had tough skins. 
Get your tough skins on. Toughen up. When you're attacked, one writer said, don't flinch. Maintain your ground, resist, press forward, strike home, keep compact, conquer. That's what it means. Show yourself to be men, not children. Show mature courage. Toughen up lest you be softening. And how many of you know that the, that, that the tendency of the flesh is to get weaker and to soften and to get soft in our conviction? No wonder he says, toughen up. No wonder, because God in his infinite love and infinite wisdom knew that we would struggle with these things. Thank the Lord he doesn't want us to struggle with this. Thank the Lord his word is timely. Man, he's so good to give us this admonition. Matthew Poole said, don't behave yourself like a child whom the least opposition will terrify and throw down, but act like a spiritual man with spiritual courage and fortitude. Gracious day, y'all. If we've ever lived in a day of immaturity, is it not today? So easily offended. So easily hurt. So easily blown off course. Somebody says something to us that we don't like and we stay out of church for it. We hold grudges over it. Not even over actions, over words. And we're not even sure if they intended to be hurtful or not. That's just how we interpreted it. No wonder he says, CP, you toughen up. You stand your ground. You wake up. And then he closes with this. Strengthen your weaknesses. He says you be strong. He's talking about spiritual strength. It literally means increase your vigor. Not maintain it. Increase it. Take it to another level. Why? Why did the Lord say, increase your strength, increase your vigor? In other words, strengthen the areas that are weak and prone to greater attack. The word signifies strength in action. Now, why do you think he said, I want you to strengthen your weaknesses? Number one, because he knew we'd have weaknesses. And number two, because all power comes from him, but you and I have to rely on that power. He's not going to force his power on us. Every single one of us in this room have spiritual weaknesses, but it's not his fault. He says, look, I won't. You, I want you to assess where you are weak. And my power's available. Use my strength for your weakness. And you give attention to it. You focus on that. Don't just excuse it away. Oh, dear one, would you identify this morning your spiritual weakness? Don't come up with an excuse why you're weak. Just identify and own it and say, Lord, yep, that's me. That's me. 
You know God's power is available. You know God's power is available. While I'm preaching right now, I'm telling you the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to hearts. He's speaking to me. He's speaking to you. What areas or area of your life do you know right now need to be strengthened? He's not going to, I hate to say this, please understand my heart. God's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to, but he's not going to fix it for you. He gives you the resources and the tools and all the weapons to fix it if you simply yield yourself to him. His power is readily available. And he gets the glory because he's the one that supplies it all. But all he's waiting on us to do is just, okay, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. I'm applying the power to my weakness. I'm afraid we're too busy justifying that weakness. I'm afraid we're too busy indulging in that weakness. I want to prepare for the invitation, please. God says, I want you to get stronger, lest you be weakening. Some of you are familiar with this man's name, Marcus Luttrell. Marcus Luttrell co-authored a book entitled Lone Survivor. Marcus Luttrell was part of a special forces operation in Afghanistan called Operation Red Wings in June of 2005. I'll go ahead and say this, that his four-man Navy SEAL team, three of the four lost their lives, and he was so severely injured, he should have died. He said this in an interview. Actually, he wrote this in the book. Listen to what he said about America's warriors. Okay? America's warriors. These men of the special forces have had other options in their lives, other paths, easier paths that they could have taken. But they took the hardest path. That narrow causeway that is not for the sunshine patriot. They took the one for the supreme patriot. The one that may require them to lay down their lives for the United States of America. The one that is suitable only for those who want to serve their country so badly that nothing else matters. And then he said, that's probably not fashionable in our celebrity-obsessed modern world. But special forces guys don't care about that either. They are aware of a higher calling because they're sworn to defend this country and to fight its battles. Remember the philosophy of the Navy SEALs, he said. I will never quit. My nation expects me to be physically harder and mentally stronger than my enemies. If knocked down, I will get back up every time. I will draw on every remaining ounce of strength to protect my team. And then he said this, I am never out of the fight. 
My conviction in my soul, ladies and gentlemen, is that the church of Jesus is filled with spiritual warriors who are out of the fight. We're not engaged in battle. Somehow we've bought into a lie that the Christian life is a cruise or a vacation. It's not. It's all out warfare. And there's, we've missed something along the way that we thought it was supposed to be easy. God said, no. That's why I'm calling on you, he says, to wake up. Are you awake spiritually? Stand your ground. Develop maturity. And strengthen your weaknesses. I got to ask you will you identify your weaknesses this morning? And will you, beloved, let Jesus empower you? Are you in the fight? Are you still on the front lines? Or have you given up territory? I don't know what Jesus is speaking to you about. I know what he's speaking to me about. And I am going to call on the church today. Our church. This church. To join and make a holy resolve. To wake up. To stand your ground. To develop spiritual maturity and conviction and to identify and strengthen those weak areas that Jesus is standing ready to give you power for. In Jesus' name.